Hello and welcome to Industry Elites. On this podcast, Industry Elite's very own Natalie and Vicky are going to be discussing the latest news trending around the world. Vlad Rodenko is a talented Canadian entrepreneur. He has worked with other business professionals in the greater Toronto area for over eight years. In addition, Vlad is also passionate about marketing and technology. Both an entrepreneur and the founder of Dude, Vlad Rodenko's primary concern is the overall satisfaction of each and every one of his clients. He is committed to taking the time to educate and foster relationships with other business professionals. Furthermore, Vlad wants to see a more connected world and he believes live streaming is a perfect tool for authentic communication in today's day and age. A live streaming platform is the best way for content creators to engage, connect, and foster relationships in real time. Thanks for coming on today with us, Vlad. All right. Thank you for inviting me. So how are you doing in isolation? How is social distance treating you these days? Pretty good. Pretty well. I'm trying to take the advantage of, uh, you know, sitting at home and being more productive, doing more work from home. And in particular, this time, uh, specifically for what we're doing, this is an advantage for us. Yeah, it's definitely a time I think everyone has said for a reevaluation and taking that extra minute to, okay, what can we do while we're in this time to leave in a more productive manner? I think that's for sure. Yeah, well, try to focus. <laughs> uh, just try to focus on, you know, being more organized. Definitely. You know, it's it's not something that we've all been ready to do, just to sit at home and not, you know, you can't really get out. And, and even if you can, you have to, you know, keep some kind of a distance, etc. But definitely manage your time properly. This is number one thing. Manage your time, uh, your schedule, try to be more productive, try to do if if you can, you know, some kind of a physical workout or even a mental workout at home. It all helps you to to get your day going. Definitely specifically in these times. Have you found that from working from home, has that hindered of any of your creativity or do you think it's kind of aided with it? Both. You have to keep that balance. You know, before all this COVID-19 everybody was, you know, going to work and everybody misses home and then suddenly everybody's home and now they miss going out. So you have to really you just have to adjust to the environment it definitely uh, helped me to have those one to three hours a day to be very productive to completely focus on work and then you know take a break just wander around clear your head no for sure i think we're all we're all in that space now of clearing mm-hmm. our head to really <laughs> really better ourselves so i think what a lot of us just want to know about you is just from your journey of being an entrepreneur you obviously started somewhere so when you were younger did you see yourself being the entrepreneur that you are today? I think I've always been an entrepreneur and it started from high school. After high school, I honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. Uh, you know, and uh, coming from, you know, from this background, my parents, they uh, they say, well, you have to go to university, you have to get this degree, you want to be, you have to become a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is. And, and I really didn't feel being attached to a specific industry besides uh, becoming a pilot, but it was something that, you know, was was a big no in our family because I am the only son and my parents didn't want me to uh, to kind of take this road. You know, it's, it's very high risky, uh, you know, career becoming a pilot, etc. So I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just applied to uh, literally almost every university in Ontario, whether it's uh, Waterloo, UFT, York, and I was accepted to different programs such as biochemistry to engineering, uh, com- computer and mechanical engineering, business oh, wow. and finance. Yeah, but I, j- I just I didn't feel you know like interested in any of these programs. I started as uh, going to college first to Seneca College 
for uh, nursing, registered nursing. I thought, okay, I'll take the medical field kind of path, you know, like, like my mom did. And maybe I'll, I'll become one day, I don't know, a doctor or something like that. But uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Uh, it, it's very interesting. It's exciting. You know, it's, it's actually knowing all the, you know, how the systems and the body works. And it's not something that I was attracted to. So I decided to, okay, I'm just, uh, I will do business. I'm going to do business. I'll go to York. And I had, uh, what was it? I think it was around two years I did this program of finance and business economics. It still wasn't that. It still wasn't the, you know, the, the traditional way of doing business, of uh, approaching people and talking to them one-on-one, etc. And that's why I decided that I have to take a different approach. Now, at the same time, I was more eager to making money, you know, uh, kind mm. of st- starting young and, you know, instead of finishing university and waiting until I get a proper job, et cetera, I just wanted to start making money already. So I decided to go to real estate and that's how pretty much my business career started. It was real estate. I opened a marketing company, some other companies, et cetera. And that's, I think, how I became an entrepreneur is any idea that was coming to me, any opportunity that was in front of me, I, I just take it. I just take it and I want to explore more. And I think that's how it led pretty much to to do it. There's more, there's more into that, of course. It's about, uh, it's really about the connection that you have with your clients, with the customers, uh, especially in real estate, for example. You know, when people people are looking to buy or sell their homes, they the number one question is why they want to do that. Why do they need to buy, uh, you know, a new property or to sell their current property? Is it because of being closer to work, the neighbors, is the financial situation, etc.? So you really want to understand the issues that your clients and customers have, and you know, in order to assist them better. So you have this really close connection. Now, part of my real estate career was, I think, I was just around eight years. I was in real estate. Five years into real estate, I was doing commercial real estate, helping people opening business plans and opening their businesses. And I got this opportunity with my friends to open a marketing company. And I said, okay, why not? Let's let's do marketing. And uh, as a fact, in the beginning, in the beginning, I actually helped some of my real estate clients not only to find the location for their business, you know, but also to market it, to create awareness, to bring in traffic, create leads, etc. And and then this just you know idea popped up. There was this one question: How do I connect? How do I have a closer connection between you know the consumers and and their companies or you know etc. And that's how dude uh, kind of dude was born is uh, creating that connection through a live video. Uh, so you mentioned how dude was born there. Uh, did you want to maybe kind of get further into that for our listeners and just kind of explain what it is and what it does? Sure. Yeah. So dude is a platform for people to discover live videos and to stream to multiple social networks at the same time. So currently there aren't many solutions, unfortunately, on the mobile phones where people can go live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch at the same time. And this problem actually occurred when, so we we showcased our startup last year, just approximately half a year ago in November in Portugal. It's a big tech summit, it's called Web Summit. And, you know, while I was on the stage and I was trying to, you know, I was telling about the startup, etc. I wanted to showcase this whole event. It was around, I think, close to 80,000 people, uh, 80,000 attendees. And I just wanted to showcase it to my friends and family here in Toronto, you know, in different social networks. I wanted to do it on Facebook and YouTube, only to find out that there is no proper solution to that. So that's when we started to cater our app towards, you know, more towards this vertical of multi-streaming, created a multi-streaming platform. That's definitely really exciting. I think it's, it's awesome that you saw 
saw that gap and you were looking to see, okay, how could we potentially find something to fill with that? So in your industry and in the business of entrepreneurship, I'm sure networking and building those connections, as you said previously from real estate is something that was beneficial to you. So maybe you can go into the importance of how important networking is. Networking is, yeah, well, networking is very important for anyone, really, for individuals, for businesses, for, you know, for professionals. Uh, you're creating connections. You're really creating this uh, circle of, you know, whether it's professional relationship circle or even friendship. But as you know, for the last 10 years, I should say, uh, everybody was really creating those new connections through social medias. Whether it was, it was Facebook first and then, you know, we had Instagram, you know, professional like such as uh, LinkedIn, etc. You always ask yourself, well, what's next? What's what's going to be next, right? First, we, we were able to only share a post with our friends. Now, in, and then we shared, uh, you know, a picture with our friends, et cetera, or a resume on LinkedIn, et cetera, finding new, you know, new job opportunities. So you're thinking, okay, so what's next? How do I get further and more into the actual thing? And, you know, it appears to be a live video because just if you, if you watch just a regular video, there's so much that can be changed and edited. But mm -hmm. when it comes to a live video, and let's say even specifically for a business or you're a professional, you want to see how this job is being done or how this product or service works. And a live video is going to show you all these details. So this is the closest connection. This is the, you know, this is the closest connection that a consumer or even just, you know, uh, or a business can have. And uh, it's a great way of actually creating a, a bigger network is by showcasing, you know, showcasing real content in real time. It's interesting you say kind of how we want to see all, I guess you could say tutorials almost online because we want to see every step by step. I was kind of laughing to myself when you said that because... YouTube videos is pretty much the reason I graduated college. So. <laughs> uh, well, I majored in graphic design, so that was perfect for that. Exactly like step by step, this is how you do it. And they explain why you do it versus the teachers in class are just kind of like click here, click here, now click here. But I yeah. found the YouTube was way more in depth. And I personally just discovered Twitch. I'm kind of late to the ball game on this one. But I just thought it was fascinating how, because I was under the understanding that it was just people for gaming. People just streamed gaming. That was it. And then I discovered there's a whole world on it. There's people from reading books to drawing to quilt, like literally oh, really? everything. everything. I was pleasantly surprised by that. And now I'm slightly addicted. So <laughs> <laughs> now it's like a dark hole. You're just not coming under that, Vicky. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitch is great. Twitch, I personally think that Twitch is, the. you know, we have Periscope on the side, but Twitch is really the first uh, kind of, you know, focused on the live streaming on everything. Uh, it, it started as for gamers. But now they have different categories on, uh, such as you said, like reading and uh, even Q&As and just you know, even business talks. So Twitch is definitely growing. And you can see that Twitch, every year, Twitch is doubling their number of live streams and viewers that they have on their platform, which is great. So it is a trend and it is growing. It's an industry that, you know, is really picking up. And uh, Twitch is definitely the leader for now in this industry. And you can even connect it with your Amazon subscription now, your Amazon Prime. Yeah. I saw that the other day. I thought that was kind of neat. Oh, see, everything is just pulling itself in connection to each other now. <laughs> Pretty much. Everything somehow involved now. So Twitch and Amazon and, well, 
Amazon and a bunch of other things. But you're starting to kind of get, like, especially with streaming, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Joe Rogan, but it was just announced that he's cut his YouTube and he's going to go exclusively to Spotify now. So that's kind of an interesting switch into streaming. Yeah, I guess same thing with the <laughs> with the podcast as well. Everybody's just switching to, you know, to whether it's audio or video streaming. It is. It's, um, it's definitely where the focus is right now. And, you know, and this is how actually uh, COVID, well, again, unfortunately, but at the same time, this is how people take advantage of this time. If you're sitting at home and you have nothing else to do, you can just literally stream or do your own podcast of everything from home, pretty much. You know, this is how people connect and have that networking through this live, uh, through a live stream. Yeah, I have to say it was something that took us a little bit of figuring out, but ultimately, I think Vicky and I <laughs> conquered the steps in how to get that podcast. But with those tutorials and like you're saying, those step-by-step ideas that are out there, if those weren't out there, then essentially a lot of these things that are coming easily to people maybe wouldn't be so easy. So what would you say to those maybe who had that negative outlook, maybe on social media and social platforms prior to COVID that now potentially they are getting to do the things they can and video chat with relatives, et cetera, because of social media and because of these different platforms? I think it's it's just a matter of time. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time for people to honestly to catch up, to catch up, to understand that it was digital. It, it was a digital world already 10 years ago. It's just it's becoming more and more digital right now, right? And specifically for the older generation, for them, uh, this whole time, so my mom asked me, she's like, Vlad, she's like, how do, what is Zoom? <laughs> and, how, <laughs> and how do you Zoom? Because all the families, you know, overseas the so you know they're trying to catch up as well it will take time but it's definitely evolving to towards this right but back to back to the youtube videos corporate training specifically the you know so corporations and you know large businesses they they saw a huge actually an 80 percent increase in and their employees you know being more professional after watching videos like corporate training videos so you're thinking to yourself okay well one a video can show so much of how this is done, etc. But a video without interruptions, it's the reality of how this work can be done, etc. So I guess we're we're you know we're switching to this new era. Of, uh, I think even people will be working from home. They don't even have to go uh, you know to go to physically to their workspace, etc. They can do everything from home through a live stream, through, you know, through the internet, etc. I think it'd be an interesting switch because I was actually having this discussion with my dad and he was saying that for most businesses, the overhead, we don't need to do it anymore. You don't need to pay rent to have the office. We're all connected and we're all capable of working from home. And especially us, we have Skype and then we have all these tracking things for our tasks. So you can keep, I guess, track of your employees very easily. So I feel like a lot of employers were like, oh no, I don't want people working from home. They're just going to nap all day. Yeah, like low productivity, like all of these different statistics that were loaded up with what working from home could have been like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Now that you think, you know, going to the office is just an escape, (laughs) if you think this way, right? Yeah, it's just an escape. It's an an exit, you know, where you can just go and, okay, I don't want to be home anymore. I'll just go to the office and do some work at the office. But you could definitely just sit at home already and that's it. And there's so many tools out there and solutions, definitely tracking employees, uh, their work time. We'll see what it comes. Yeah, we'll definitely have to see. So do you think that from working from home solely now that you found yourself with higher motivation or just in people in general, do you think motivation is higher increased or lower? I think that it was never in people's mindset 
that working from home can become productive and motivational. You know, it was more of like a, uh, like a cliche this, all, all these years that, okay, I have a job. I have to go physically to that job unless that job requires you to, right? But, you know, and then working from home, it's like, okay, you come rest. But now people look at it differently. As I said, they will try to manage their times differently right now. If I'm working from home and I think can be beneficial as well, right? I think that definitely, yeah, I think it can be definitely uh, motivational. It's just, it's all the matter of how you have your mindset, right? I mean, yeah. you definitely, you know, you have the kitchen right next to you, you have the TV, you have your family, you have your sister, you have your dog eating your shoe or something and <laughs> and it's and it bothers you, but you need to have a clear mindset and, you know, specifically, okay, you have to put an objective. You can become productive even if it's just for one hour and do more than what you would do in the office for eight hours. Well, not eight, let's say five hours, right? Don't forget, okay, in the office, we have the employees running around. You want to have your coffee every half an hour. You have the phone calls, you have the emails. You're sitting on, you know, in front of that desk, you know, every day and you just get tired. But a change of scenery where at home you can maybe go outside, even jog for it for 20 minutes. I don't know, speak to your family member for even five, 10 minutes. That's, it clears your mindset and then, okay, let's go back to work. So there is definitely an advantage in working from home as well. So Vlad, I want to know, are you, were you really drinking a coffee every, every half hour when you were in the office? I, I am, yes, I am. If um, if my colleagues uh, listen to this podcast, they're going to laugh because I drink, what, around nine cups of coffee a day minimum. I respect what? that. Yeah. Okay, I would be doing a lot more jogging at home if I was drinking nine cups of coffee i would be like ready to run a marathon that's for sure it just tastes good <laughs> i'm actually no, like, just really impressed <laughs> not like, I, like what what kind of coffee are we talking about are we just talking about regular one one milk one sugar are you like an espresso with your cappuccinos and all the flavor type yeah no i, I definitely like the strong bold flavor of a coffee no sugar no milk no cream dark roast or a black americano that's it that, that's uh, my type of coffee. Espresso, sure. We definitely want to see, I think, how we differ our everyday routines. And like you said, when you're in the office, all those hours spent maybe socializing with your colleagues and then versus when you're at home, you're having those different types of distractions. But when we're sitting down at our desk, it's definitely an adjustment. I wonder going back into what was the norm previously, will people's viewpoints change? Will we continue with, okay, let's we'll do that work from home because that's going to be easier? Or, okay, okay, enough with this work from home. Let's transition back and everything will go the same. So it's interesting to see. Do you think it'll go the same or everything will change? I think for certain people, mm -hmm. it will change. It will change for the people who want it to change themselves, who want to change themselves. If you're used to your old routine and, and you're happy about it, which is fine, then sure, go ahead. You know, same routine, waking up six, seven o'clock in the morning, going to work in the office, eight, nine, and then you're working for eight hours, having that same coffee, same desk. And if you're happy with it, sure. But if you want to, I guess, you know, to, to achieve more and kind of to do more in life because, you know, time is very, and unfortunately limited, but time is our most valuable resource, at least to what I think, then you definitely, you are going to change. You're going to adapt to maybe a new norm. You will try to work from home. You're, you're trying to be more productive. As I mentioned, that one hour working from home can be much more productive than working four hours in the office. It really depends on people themselves, whether they want to change or they want to, you know, stay the same. And being, and and staying the same is fine too. It's normal. Yeah, I find for myself at least, I think because I don't have the distractions of the outside world, my boyfriend's an essential worker, so I'm pretty much home alone with the cats all day. So I get... <laughs> <laughs> 
slightly going insane, I won't lie. But I find I'm more productive because work is the only thing to do. So I'm more focused that way without every five minutes someone coming up to me and asking me a question or my phone ringing or just general office distractions. And even then I find that I'm almost more busy now because I'm constantly concentrating, I guess, which is a good thing, but I'm oddly tired at the end of the day for staying at home all day. (laughs) I think like balance something that's a little off too, right? Because it's like, what else are you going to do sometimes at night? You're like, oh, mine as well just continue doing some work. And then you're like, okay, well, I just shut off my computer and let go to sleep and restart our day again with doing our work. Yeah, that's also been kind of an issue. Yeah. But here's the beauty. Uh, The beauty about it is that, okay, so the next morning you wake up and you say, wow, okay, yesterday, yeah, I was working this whole day, but I actually, I was able to complete more tasks than just having that old routine, right? Yeah, that's true. This is true. It does feel accomplished. Feels like, okay, great. I I did what I needed to do so we can take that second to breathe. So that's definitely an asset. Would you say, because we're talking about a little bit about marketing and about products and the ways that you can promote that via social platforms, how much more important do you feel that is seeing as the situation that we're in with coronavirus? Right. Well, I think it really has changed. The marketing strategy has changed more. And, you know, actually we see probably more ads than ever <laughs> just because they're targeting. Sure. They know people people are sitting at home and they're, you know, most likely they are sitting more in social medias. I don't see any change in uh, in marketing. It is it is a good it is a good advantage to take, I guess, mm-hmm. for companies. But, you know, there has to be a different approach. There has to be a different approach, I guess. I don't, I don't know, actually. I don't know, Vicky, I think- has your phone been blowing up with ads? Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of thinking about that. So I've noticed, you know, when you get that iPhone alert on Sunday saying how long you've stared at your phone throughout the week, mm-hmm. mine oh, yeah. each week, which is granted, I do do social media for a living. Disclaimer, <laughs> everyone. But mine increases, I'd say an average of 11% a week. And as of like last Sunday, I was averaging like eight and a half hours a day. And I don't know how that's possible, to be completely honest. But that's what my phone was telling me. And I find that ads, I'm not necessarily getting bombarded with a different amount of ads. I would say I'm getting bombarded with a different type of ad. Like I'm getting a lot of like women's clothing, stay at home, buy track pants. I'm getting mask ads now. I'm getting quarantine workout equipment. It's just kind of shifted the target product to quarantine related items. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed a lot of brands too now are starting to market branded masks, which I find hilarious in its own Yeah, sense. that's interesting. <laughs> Again, I don't know how much it affects people though. All this, uh, I mean, you see, you just skip it, right? Just, just keep an ad. Oh, I always <laughs> Unless <do> that. <laughs> that's, I think that's what, what most people do really. Unless, unless the person really is looking for that specific type of a product and service. Before when we had, you know, in the beginning, we had all these ads on Facebook and Instagram. It was cool. It was like, okay, let's explore more. But right now people, I think it's quite the opposite. I think people are more fed up with all these ads. There's just too many of them. You barely see the post of your friend. <laughs> you see more ads than the post, right? That's marketing. True. You want to have, you want to change the strategy here. Uh, marketing, you know, you, first of all, you can't be too pushy and, you know, you're clinging to your customers. You want to know your customers better. You want to know exactly, I don't know if I should even say that, but, you know, exactly the time when your customer is tired and then he's just like, oh, okay, let's just click that ad. <laughs> you know, so you know when to target. <laughs> so specific times, the specific ad, you know, bring that maybe emotion. So you want to convert all these viewers to, for them to take action, you know, to buy your product and service. And that's difficult. It's becoming even more difficult for marketing companies. Definitely. What would you say would be the main things that you're looking for when targeting a specific audience? Or like when you're saying what you're wanting to search for, whether what they're going to be more geared towards, what are you looking for? I think we're looking for more on their lifestyle and behavior. So to get to know as much about the, the customer, pretty much how is he living, really? What's his routine? 
seen even. So you know that, okay, that this time he's going uh, on the social media platform. What's, what is he doing? I mean, if you really want to cater your product towards that customer, you want it to convert, you want to really, you want him to buy your product or sign up to your service. You want to know your customer as much as you can. So uh, as I said, it's, it's more on the behavior side. It's understanding really the customer. Mm -hmm. So Vicky, every time you're tired, that's when you're, I guess, checking your phone and all those ads are popping up. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, I feel like that was a personal attack because I seem to have <laughs> the spontaneous purchases late at night where I'm like, you know what? I will buy that Just today. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then I wake up with the wonderful your order. Order a ship. But then it's that little excitement that we have that we actually ordered something that got delivered in a timely fashion that didn't take like over two weeks to get to us. And we're like, okay, great. There's a little bit of joy in our social distancing quarantine time. It's true. Well, I'm still waiting for my IKEA order and we're about seven weeks now. Yeah, so. we have an issue with IKEA. Just to fill you in, Vlad, this is a personal <laughs> vendetta I now have against IKEA. So I ordered stuff, yet to receive it. And so has pretty much all of Ontario. And they've just kind of shut down every form of customer service to contact them pretty much except for they have what appears to be Twitter bots just replying a general kind of inquiry reply we're just waiting on that yeah I've heard about uh, all the other couriers uh, taking their time I'm, honestly I'm just doing Amazon Prime <laughs> and you have it delivered within a couple of days but this whole industry has been affected very much as well because of you know all the borders are being closed and definitely shortage of employees in this industry so it has affected pretty much everyone really yeah i did some digging with my ikea saga but turns out their main distribution center is in montreal which was one of the hardest provinces hit so okay that makes sense you guys get a pass still angry but you guys get a pass yeah you have that tracking code of uh the merchandise right uh no i'm not even there yet i just have oh. a thank you for your confirmation yeah seven weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> see that's the thing that's still mind-boggling to me is we have all these resources there's lots of other ways that you're able to connect with your customers with your clientele. So the fact when some industries or some businesses aren't utilizing these maybe to the fullest, that seems like a bit concerning due to the times that we're in that people like Vicky are still having these types of issues with no aspect of communication on their side. So do you see that as like a gap there, Vlad? Definitely there is a gap. Yeah. Although we have so many resources, et cetera, right. But uh, still the, you know, the, you know, the businesses don't use, they don't use all these opportunities for some reason. There's, yeah. uh, there's, there's so much more. The question is why? That's really the question question if there's so many resources out there again i think it's more in that it's a transition that's happening really right now in the whole world uh, for people and for businesses to you know we're still kind of doing all this traditional way thing of things right whether it's communication and you know networking and etc with our employees and providing and delivering services we're still using the old-fashioned way uh, i'm not saying unfortunately but it's more of a standard and it, it just it takes it takes time to adapt to this new digital stuff so it definitely seems that being given enough time though that's the aspect there with technology things happen so quickly with traditional method things were a little bit longer so that adjustment period was understandable. But now it just feels like with something, and it's not even like smaller businesses, a business like Ikea that's highly established, makes probably billions and millions of dollars a year that they aren't able to get things working up in almost over a two-month period. So where does that essentially leave them? Do you think customers would, Vicky and I were talking about this before, like would customers have more of an issue with that business moving forward, do you think? I think it's about assurance. The reason businesses such as Ikea, et cetera, are still you know using their old you know the, not the old but you know the, the standards is for assurance 
purposes. That's, I don't know, my personal opinion. They know that if they do X, Y, Z, then, you know, the, the, the customers eventually will be satisfied on the, mm. you know, on the long term. But having all these current new solutions in the market, I think they're still skeptical with using new methods, right? There's no, there's no assurance that if you're going to use this type of service that has never been used or, you know, or something new that is, it's going to have the same outcome on the end of the customer, right? Well, in regards to people, it just depends. Companies have people's trust, they have people's loyalty. And once a company or a business loses the trust and the loyalty of their customers, that's when, you know, it's a red flag or it's like, at least it's an orange flag. It's a caution say, okay, we have to change our strategy here. So the gap is really, how do we keep our customers? You know, how do we have that allegiance and loyalty from people, but at the same time, you know, having that high performance and delivering what we promise. So the middle, that's the gap. That's, I think, the, where the problem is really for many businesses. Uh, when you kind of mentioned loyalty there, where do you think this new kind of platform loyalty comes from? Like, regarding social media do you think it's just almost become a culture thing now or do you think that people stick with these apps because of whatever reason they like the interface or their friends are on it what's kind of your opinion around that i think it's first impression definitely it's the first impression of the app if you like it right away you liked it it, it first was the looks oh <laughs> it's, it's always the look if it looks nice it's interactive it's performing well the app then people will stick to it because you know that's how you gain trust you're saying okay here we've delivered this for you, you know, this type of service, whatever, and enjoy it. But it's like, if the app itself is not, you know, if it's not working properly, you're just going to start losing your users, right? It's like delivering a broken product where, let's say, you know, another company is going to come and it's going to deliver maybe something that looks, maybe, you know, has the worst looks, but at least it works great. It's performing well. And that's where you gain that trust of the customer. So what businesses really should, I think, focus on, and I think most of them do, is really how to cater best performance, you know, the best customer service towards their clients and consumers, et cetera. Yeah. With something we were mentioning previously in combination with social media was running ads and that the type of ad that we were seeing might have been increasing due to this time and, and the targeting of different individuals and trying to understand their lifestyle and how they can get these ads to gear towards them. So another thing that I know Vicky and I talked about before was ads or an influencer or someone is vouching for a product and then they're posting it on their platform, basically running as its own ad and then sharing it with all of their followers. So where do you think the trusting factor comes in with that? And why are companies and businesses leaning on avenues like that to have maybe influencer representation for a specific product? Right. For influencers, we have the smaller influencers, I should say, you know, individuals that don't have such a high followers base or a big audience. Okay, let's, you know, cap it at, I don't know, 50,000, 20,000. And then we have those big influencers, public figures that have over a million of followers, etc. I personally think that, that those the small influencers, have better connection with their audience because they are still building, you know, their portfolio, I should say. And they're working hard to to really create more content for their audience. And that's where, you know, big companies, they come in and they say, okay, they, they negotiate with the influencer and say, please showcase my product or mention it, et cetera, for whatever amount with actually more with smaller influencers than bigger. So, you know, if you have this influencer with a million, you know, followers, et cetera, on Instagram, sure, most of the followers are just going to see that product, but they, you know, long time ago they lost that connection with the influencer okay yeah because it's just the influencer just doesn't care anymore to be honest not all of them but most of them they just don't they just like they, the money not sure if they like money or not i think it's uh, it, you know in the end of the day it comes more to fame kind of like having that power of that you have so many people who follow you but what you keep forgetting is that in the beginning when you were just building that fame for yourself that reputation you were so connected with your audience and then suddenly you just lost that connection because of whatever the small influencers they're working very hard and i know 
know many of them that you know they're still doing their best and creating new content catering it to their audience there's nothing wrong for companies to showcase the whatever product and you know service etc through influencers as long as it's you know there's some kind of connection between the you know the influencer itself and the audience no it's true i was just granted the influencers that i'm kind of more privy to i guess or more in the beauty world but i remember back in the day when kylie jenner for example she would hype all these products like the flat tummy tea those bare vitamins that you saw on her hair things yeah yeah see you knew exactly what i meant and she used to kind of hype all these products and now i think she hasn't probably done that in about two years you see the kind of i guess lower tier influencers they're kind of going oh i got this product i got this product i'm sponsored by this person and i feel like they're almost a little bit more transparent with it like this is an ad this is a sponsored video meanwhile when the higher tier ones do kind of hype a product if they do hype a product it's more product placement almost like it just happens to be in the room they're in they don't really say it's like more like low key it's not like this whole description here's your steps on how to use it here's where you could benefit from it they're just more okay here it is and then they're reaping all the rewards yet these people are spending their time dissecting it for their followers and it's maybe a little bit less of a reward you know if you're really doing that marketing thing in front of your audience and you know this is how you use the product etc you know it's a turnoff it's such a turnoff. You're going to just yeah. lose your followers, etc. But I'll, I'm going to bring an example, actually, of my, one of my favorite influencers, and he's a great entrepreneur, Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary V. He has, I, I'm not sure, but definitely more than a million or something followers on Instagram. But this guy is so blunt. He's so open. He's so clear with his message. And you can see that even the content that he's posting, he's literally helping people. And even, you know, uh, people who are his followers and audience, he's helping them. He's doing everything. He's just saying the truth. This is what it is. And this is what people like. Before, we, it was all is such an imaginary world right this whole social media I was like oh okay cool wow you know this you know we all lived in like uh, in this movie of <laughs> some people still do live in a movie in social media but but the more you know the more you see of it the more you get sick of it now you just want you want to see people being honest and you know just showing you know the clear you delivering the right message and uh, just being very uh, honest with everyone else even if it's your audience whatever it is but doing all this type of marketing thing and you know trying to like cover it up then it's definitely a turnoff and uh, I think marketing companies should be be aware of that the type of content that they try to to deliver if they are marketing whatever product and service or companies using influencers is just give that clear message to your customer the simpler it is the better i think so when it's too complicated we're sometimes like okay this is really hard i don't really know what i'm supposed to do with this and you're probably less likely to take that second look at it versus if it's broken down if it's plain straightforward then your audience is going to be more engaged right from the beginning i feel like yeah exactly yeah and i think people are getting smart smarter too because if I use Kylie Jenner for example if they show her using how to use Lysol wipes or something like that the <laughs> average person I don't know I saw Lysol wipes in the room and that's what happened I have no idea no I like it I like it <laughs> <laughs> but if you had her using, I guess you could say, a mundane average person product, people are going to be like, yeah, right, you're not using that. And not believe that word is the gospel anymore. So people are getting smarter with these products now, going like, no, it's just a paid ad and kind of moving on. I agree. Yeah. Not only smarter, but people in general are becoming more, you know, tech savvy. But literally everyone can become a marketer. If you think about it. Everyone can become a software engineer and do all this digital type of work. The opportunity that we have have for people online to take even some some kind of courses and to learn a specific subject. I, for example, I took digital marketing course. It's a nano degree course that I took specifically digital marketing. How do I create a social media campaign, whether it's brand awareness, etc. 
So it's very specific instead of taking, let's say, a two-year or four-year course college university, just marketing in general. But there's not much practice. I'm not saying that the wrong way of doing of but businesses right now, and this is the change that we're seeing, is that they want individuals, uh, individuals or they want them to be specific on that subject, right? Gosh. On that work. And I think this is where it's changing right now. So, I mean, look at Elon Musk's, for example, SpaceX. He has employees, definitely. They finished uh, the Harvard and university, etc. But most of his first partners, actually, when he was just building SpaceX, you know, they were just people who had just the brain to, you know, the life experience on how to create those solutions to uh, problems. Because th- what they did is they were just focused on one subject at a time, you know, something specific. And that's where you get your expertise than just doing something more general and something broad. And this is where more companies right now, bigger companies are looking for what they are looking for, you know, in their new candidates when, you know, they do all the screening processing, etc. is they want to know specifically what can you do in order to aid me and to increase my company's performance instead of saying on your resume that, oh, I know this and that, you know, I finished, I have like 10 degrees, this and that. So, well, what are you good at? It's like knowing 10 languages, but you can't speak uh, one language properly, right? So you you want to please True. speak one language properly, uh, properly and then... So going back, I guess, to what employers might be looking for in businesses to increase their overall revenue, overall platform, overall brand, going back to your days when you were in university and transitioning where you're like, okay, I don't really think this is for me. I'm not getting what I fully want out of it. I'm transferring to complete my real estate license. So what would you say to students who might be in a similar position as you were then trying to make that decision if they continue with those four years or if they want to be an entrepreneur or want to move on to something that doesn't require that schooling? What would you tell them? One thing, finish university, definitely. <laughs> um, it does give you the foundation and that base that you need in life. It's like a check mark, right? I mean, yeah. say life is a, is a ladder and we're, you know, we're, you're going up the stairs and you did high school, you know, you, you go into university, then you want to probably, uh, you know, have a stable job, create family, then children, et cetera, et cetera. So you put all these check marks in life. And then if you do not finish university or college or have some sort of degree, then it's like you're missing that check mark. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, it will haunt you. <laughs> Sometimes it does yeah. constantly think about it. I do miss the days where I was sitting in the library at uh, Scott's Library in New York University and, uh, you know, just, you know, studying. I, I loved it. I really did. Oh, I don't miss that. <laughs> no. <laughs> York is great. It's just yeah. for people who want to be more independent, it's the question of how high of a risk they want to take. It's not easy to just, you did all this progress in, you know, getting all your grades high and being accepted to university, making your parents proud, etc. And then suddenly just saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop out and I'm going to try to create something of my own. Number one, people are not going to understand you. They will not understand you. Why'd you do that? Because you had university, you had maybe another year to go, another few semesters and that's it. Then, well, can't say guaranteed job, but at least you have, you know, more of a guaranteed kind of future with whatever you finished. But here you're just, you're really changing your whole lifestyle. Being an entrepreneur is, it's just different. You have to really be, if, if you're putting that focus and an objective, then you have to go for it. You can't go down the rails and take a different path. If you set an objective, you have to finish it. And if you don't, I mean, it doesn't mean that if you fall back or you fail a couple of times, then okay, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm stopping. No, you can pivot, can change maybe the, the style, the, the type of business you're doing, but still set an objective, go for it. If you've, if you decided to become an entrepreneur, then just go for it. Uh, just don't stop. Sorry, back to your question, I guess. It does have its advantage and, you know, disadvantages. Yeah. People have to just, this, those students in New York, depends, depends what they want, right? That's what they yeah, want to that, Like that sounds risky. That That's a kind of a gamble at that point. Cause you're like, can I make it? Yeah, I think I can do it. But then that security blanket, you're maybe essentially just moving that away temporarily until you're finding out if this newfound business plan, newfound model is, is going to work. So I see that potentially being a little bit of added stress on your life at that point. It is a lot of stress, <laughs> but you, you'll never know 
if you don't try it. So, but you can wait until you finish university and then become an entrepreneur. There you go. Promoting a education. Less, a bit less stress. Yeah. All the moms everywhere are happy from that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I still get from my mom that every day. It's already, it's been 10 years. It's just that push of like what society is telling us that essentially we need that education and from employers and from businesses and job opportunities, they're showing that they're putting that stamp that they require you to have that education. So it's hard when majority of the windows that are out there and paths that you can take are showing, okay, if you would like to get into this, if you'd like to become this, you're going to require this. So if you don't have it, you're essentially looking at it from right away. It's like, okay, are you closing those doors to yourself prior to even getting out in the work? Yeah, exactly. But again, having that foundation is very important. I personally believe uh, it's still, you know, even if it's on your resume or anything, but you finish the college university, for even for just an employee, it's still a, you know, it's a big check mark. It's a big plus sign. So then after transitioning from university at York and going into real estate, how did you then find yourself transitioning from real estate to entrepreneurship or to your app, essentially, I guess? Was it just that marketing aspect of thing? I think it just, it just came with time. Even when I was in real estate, I had this goal of, okay, let's, like, I want to make more money, right? So I can do more in life, so I can travel more, so I can achieve more and uh, kind of become more successful. And once you have that mindset of being more than what you are right now, you will start noticing this really in front of you, like under your nose opportunities that come to you. Some people, they see it, but they're scared to take it. And to me, it was, okay, I want to take it. I want to try. I want to try something different. I'm like, let's make more revenue. Let's make more money. My friends, you know, my friends and I, we said, okay, let's let's make this digital marketing company. We'll help not only, you know, so businesses to create that awareness, et cetera, et cetera. I said, okay, great, let's do that. I took that course, as I said, in marketing, digital marketing. And then I had an opportunity. One of my real estate clients came to me and said, I want to uh, do import and export of whatever products from Canada and into Canada. Will you help me? I said, sure. And I did. You know, I said, okay, I'll help. And then he said, well, would you like to be my partner in this? I said, yeah, why not? So I already had two businesses. I had my real estate and I had marketing and that import export. And then another client, he was my friend as well. He had this idea. He said, Vlad, come over. I remember it was 12 o'clock at night, just having a glass of wine. He said, Vlad, come over. I have this crazy idea. I said, okay. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, okay, well, no, but you see, I like I like listening to new ideas because I personally believe that anything can can be created. We can really do anything. There's nothing that can really stop us, right? And I say, okay, so give it to me. And he says, let's create this directory of dentists, etc. Here in Ontario, of all the dentists and orthodontists, etc., etc. Of of Ontario. I said, okay. And I'm not sure if people are familiar with open care. I guess, uh, you know, you guys saw their ads, etc. But yeah, so open care was pretty much the only competitor we had. So we did create this big directory of all the dentists in Toronto, uh, anywhere pretty much in Ontario. And I said, I go to my partner, I tell him, so how about we do this worldwide? We'll have the biggest dentist directory in the world. And we do oh, wow. until now. It's called greatdentalclinics.com. Yeah, it's a website with close to a million pages in it. There's over 400 and I believe 60,000 dentists just in North America alone and Europe. And and you see all these opportunities are just coming. And uh, just recently, I had also another opportunity. It was given to bring uh, all these masks and uh, the hazmat suits, et cetera, here uh, specifically for the COVID-19 situation. Oh, that's awesome. And, but for now, I'm just focused on dude. But I'm just saying that all these opportunities speak to people, you network, you never know how it's going to end up, but you have to be always open for it. There's, you know, wh- What is there to risk? Just your time. That's all you're risking, yeah. really. When you were saying that quote that I read recently just popped up in my head, 
head and it was fear tricks us into living a boring life. And I think that's so evident uh, just in our conversation here, because it's showing that if you were to just take that leap, even a few times when you felt that potentially the opportunity arose, you could be better off for it. Yeah. You just really have to be open for everything, for ideas, for, for people, even the people you don't like, you have to be open for them. Seriously. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, Vicky. <laughs> Because you will never know how this person who, you know, might be if it's your enemy, whatever, how he's going to connect you somehow with somebody else. And you're going to end up being on a complete different side of the boat on the better side. Yeah, there's really nothing to lose unless you're putting, you know, your asset or something uh, towards it, right? Your your house or apartment. So that's uh, that's something that you want (laughs) to that you want to think about. But otherwise, you're really just the only thing you're losing, but you're not really losing. You're investing your time into something else. So you're exploring just, you know, different roads. I mean, for me, it's just interesting. People might think, okay, well, you know, I just want to be do this and that. Again, you know, there's different people. It depends what they want to do in life. If they like exploring, they want to have new opportunities, then sure, try. Why not? You know, it's really right in front of you. For my final question, is there, I guess, any tips, advice, any kind of sign-off point that you'd want to give our listener? I'm not at the stage of giving anyone an advice, but something that I personally believe and somebody wants to listen to that is just focus on managing your time properly. That is the most important thing. Manage it either with your family, with the work you're doing. Having proper time management is what either makes you more productive or less and whether you can achieve more or less in life. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a great note to leave us off on. So Vlad, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and we're excited that you were able to share your advice with us. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for having me.